the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. All right, Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen back here for the official Jets podcast game preview. Jets Broncos this Sunday, a road trip. Wow, what a shocker. The Jets, after finishing up a two-game homestand, now two weeks on the road. But EA, let me just touch on this last game because I thought this was the most exciting game the Jets have played all season. Back and forth, a nip-and-tuck affair, and the Jets come out in a shootout when most expected it would be a close game. Wildly entertaining affair. The Jets... Absorbed a few punches early, but they were never on the ropes. Fell behind 14-0 less than five minutes into the game. They rebounded, took a halftime lead. Kansas City, very successful with their big plays that kept them in the ball game. Conversely, the Jets controlled time of possession. 49 rush attempts. Jermaine Curse, Robbie Anderson continuing to go off. Josh McCown not only continuing his accurate ways at the quarterback position throwing a football, but again, he gets a couple rush touchdowns. Now he's got five on a year or so. You look at McCown, he's got 23 touchdowns at all. He's given the Jets great quarterback play. And like you mentioned here at the top, the Jets just completed a run greens of 7 of 10 at home so far this year. The Jets 4-3 and three at MetLife Stadium. Conversely, when you look ahead to Denver, the Jets just 1-4 and four on the road. This is going to be a big test to see where they're at as the fourth quarter of the NFL season begins. And going off of that is three out of the next four to close out the season for the Jets. The games are on the road. So 1-4 one and, one and on the road so far. Denver, even though their record is not... A very good record, to say the least. Well, it's a poor record. They're having a bad season, bottom line. You lose eight games in a row after a 3-1 and one start. It mm-hmm. is a bad year in Denver, and nobody's happy about that. And that is something they're not accustomed to because you've got to go back to 1967, the last time the Broncos have laid an eight spot like this. With that being said, it's no easy place to play at Sports Authority Field at Mile High because of the altitude. And Matt Forte said that, down there in the training room, they have a treadmill that you can go to the altitude of double Denver and you can wear one of the training masks. So it'll be interesting to see, especially. Can I use that treadmill? I'd like, if to, you want. I'd like to improve my are, workouts. Are I'd you, love uh, to do, that. do you own a training mask? No, I don't. Okay, well, it's man. A, it's one of those ones look like, uh, who's the guy from Batman? Bane. Bane. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. But, yeah, back to football, sure. Yeah, you're playing in that dry air, the thin air, Mm -hmm. the high altitude. Uh, The Broncos actually started the year at home 3-0, but they've lost their last three home games. I'm curious to see how the young players on this Jets team that have never been out to Denver, and that's, I would assume, an overwhelming majority of the team. I'm curious to see how they prepare, what they take, who they speak to to try to get ready because – Obviously, it's a different altitude, but it's a different feel when you're huffing and puffing and your lungs aren't working as well. But taking something from last week and moving this week is the fast start of the offense. And uh, we're going to dive into this further with Chad Pennington when we bring him in shortly. But how can a recipe of a fast start 
translate to success on the road for this Jets team? Well, we're not only going to talk to Chad Pennington first this week. We also have Eric Dalala from DenverBroncos.com. He's associate editor of Broncos.com. But a fast start, I think it really can help this week because this is a Broncos team that has not found itself offensively. Bottom line, they've used three different quarterbacks this year, Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, of course. Simeon will start against the Jets. You want to put this team in a hole because right now a lot of bad things are happening to the Broncos. Last week, they had it handed to them. Not so much in the trenches, but on the scoreboard, 35-9. Simeon had three interceptions. Maybe the Jets have an opportunity for a couple takeaways defensively that would go a long way towards victory. But you want to make this team one-handed. And if you do get an early lead, that's going to make a fan base who, frankly, is very upset with the product out there. They're going to be very upset with their team if they fall behind. All right, Greens, let's bring in our quarterback, Chad Pennington, who was at MetLife Stadium for the Green and Whites 38-31 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. What impressed you most offensively? Well, I think, uh, EA, first of all, uh, I guess we're not great prognosticators because I think both of us felt like this would be a 17-14 to 14 game, <laughs> and it was far from it. I think what impressed me the most was the ability of the offense to answer the 14-0 to zero bail uh, when the Jets uh, fell behind so quickly. That was huge, and that is part of playing complimentary football. You see the defense struggling, giving up big plays, and the offense puts uh, two back-to-back drives together to even the score of 14-14. to So I thought that was probably the biggest part of the game. Even though it didn't determine the outcome, it certainly leveled the playing field, and the Jets could then implement their game plan of still trying to run the football uh, throughout the game because being down 14-0, to uh, and if that would have carried over into the second half, then you know, your game plan of being able to run against a, a leaky Chiefs run defense would not have happened. The Jets are averaging over 35 rush attempts in their five victories this season. So, Chad, what specifically helps out this Jets offense when you look at a balanced attack and a complementary attack? And we saw it because Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse both went over 100 yards for the second consecutive game. I think a couple of things. Uh, number one, I feel like the line of scrimmage was controlled uh, by the Jets' offensive line. They did a good job of eliminating most of the penetration throughout the day. And then the patience of Forte and Powell and McGuire was really good. There were times where they would just allow the holes to come open, and it was a second or third cut behind the line of scrimmage, and then they would find a crease to get the five or six yards north and south. Their patience was excellent. The second thing I, I would think uh, that I thought was uh, crucial was the first and second down passing success. When you go into a game wanting to run the football, uh, when you do decide to pass it on first and second down, uh, especially after a run play that may only give you ten, two to three yards, you've got to have some success there so you don't stay in that third seven-plus range on third down. And McCown and his ability to be efficient and make plays with his arm when asked on the early down really complemented 
the game plan of wanting to establish the running game. Defensively, the Jets were gashed by big plays against the Chiefs, but that hasn't been a characteristic of this defense in 2017. What did Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers have to do to make sure that isn't an issue over the last quarter of the season? Well, it certainly uh, was a baptism uh, through fire for the, our young safeties. The Jet safeties uh, really were put into situations where they couldn't just roam the field and read the quarterback's eyes. They were having to cover uh, the great skill guys of the Chiefs, uh, including the tight end Kelsey. And I think, although the Chiefs have been struggling, I think they, uh, you know, proved on Sunday that they still have some weapons and that they can do a lot of really good things offensively which they were able to do. So great learning experience uh, for the team, the young safeties in the, in the back end, uh, you know, trying to cover two phenomenal skill players in Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So uh, hopefully you get some of those things uh, ironed out, you know, do a little bit better in your man-to-man coverage, be better in your communication and your zone coverage, and eliminate those big plays down the field uh, and, and, you know, keep those to a minimum. When you look at this Jets team, obviously the narrative has been being able to finish or not being able to finish. How important is this win because the Jets were finally able to finish? They were down 14 nothing, like you said before, leading at the half, and then the entire second half was a nip-and-tuck affair. So moving forward for the last four games of the season, how important is finally getting over that hump, especially because the Jets are going on the road for back-to-back weeks? Well, I think the win was important for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, I think it was important because it was uh, one of the few times here where um, the Jets were pounced on early and they answered the bell uh, and they changed their own fortune. It wasn't that the other team changed it or did something to change it. They changed their own fortune. And then secondly, uh, you know, I think it's, it's great that uh, this team is still fighting with the passion and enthusiasm and energy, and and they, and they're they're continuing to get better. And so, for a coaching staff and organization, you can uh, continue your evaluation process and really make strides in how you can become better for the future. Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, a lot has been. Uh, talked about regarding that duo, an emerging duo, back-to-back 100-yard receiving games for the pair. Um, a lot of folks, Chad, say, hey, Robbie Anderson, his ceiling is a number two receiver. Uh, maybe Jermaine Curse's ceiling is a, is a two or a three. Do you look at it in terms of numbers when people look at receivers? Because right now I see Robbie Anderson, and he's on pace for 1,100 yards. And he's getting into the end zone. And Jermaine Curse is having a career year here. Well, first of all, I see a veteran quarterback that understands how to get these two guys the ball, and he understands what they do well. Uh, and so I think we've got to give Josh a lot of credit in getting these guys involved, uh, which has allowed uh, the staff to really see what Curse and Anderson can do. So that's number one. I think also both of these guys are playing – uh, to their skill set. Uh, they're, they're doing uh, things that they're being asked to do and doing them well. Uh, Coach Morton's putting them in positions to make plays, not asking them to do things that they don't do well. I've really been surprised, pleasantly surprised, with, with Robbie Anderson's ability to catch the ball in traffic. Yep. Typically when you have a speed guy that doesn't have the size uh, like Robbie does not, 
typically you have to see a lot of separation for these types of guys to make plays. But this guy makes plays in traffic and, and really comes up with a lot of 50-50 balls. Has some really good ball skills. Uh, does some things that's very difficult to do. And then I think uh, Curse really came into his own in this game, making some big plays, run after the catch, making uh, catches in traffic, using his body. So these are two guys you can certainly uh, build uh, with. And don't forget Anunua. He, he's able to come back hopefully next year healthy. You've got three really good guys there that you feel very comfortable in helping your team win. Yeah, I'm very excited about this group. As you said, Robbie Anderson continues to develop. Jermaine Curse has added a lot of grit to that unit. Anunua possibly coming back. Chad Hansen had a couple key third-down conversions. Okay, Jets, Broncos. How does this team that is four and three at MetLife Stadium take their show on the road and play well away from home for 60 minutes? What's going to be the key? Well, we talked about this on Facebook Live on, on Sunday, Eric, and, and the number one thing on the road is being able to get off to a good start. And sometimes a good start on the road doesn't necessarily mean a lot of points, but it does mean moving the football on offense, establishing a rhythm, uh, getting off the field on third down on defense, and really coming into your own early in the game. If you remember against Tampa Bay, it was just a struggle to do anything offensively. Uh, until the very end, and that's just, that just makes it really hard on the road. So getting off to a good start is number one. And then number two, it's the same mindset that we felt like they should have against Kansas City because we felt like Kansas City was struggling. Obviously, Denver is struggling even more. You cannot give the home team, especially a struggling team, excitement and a spark to, to get them to think like, oh, we have a chance to win this game. And so – the goal is to get off to a fast start, and even if you don't have a lot of points on the board, you've played smart, complimentary football, you haven't turned the ball over, you haven't given up a big special teams play, and now you're in the fourth quarter in a situation where this Denver team says, oh, here we go again, we're going to lose this in the fourth quarter, find a way to lose. And you allow them to find a way to lose, and that's what will happen if you play your cards right. Well, how do you expect John Morton and this offense to attack this Denver defense that, to be frank, is known for its secondary? Well, you know, this defense is still scary. I don't think Jeff fans can expect this team to just go in and just stomp the Denver Broncos. It's not going to work that way. Uh, you have players on the defensive side with the Broncos that could just absolutely ruin a football game. And so you always have to be aware of that. You've got to make sure that you neutralize Von Miller. You've got to make sure that the two corners uh, in Tlaib and Harris uh, don't uh, make great plays on the football and, and be able to change field position with interceptions. And so you've got to be very careful with your decision-making as a quarterback. Play calling-wise, you don't want to put your tackles on islands with Von Miller and just think that's going to happen for four quarters because it will absolutely not. Uh, I think the running game is going to prove to be uh, a key in this game, and not necessarily from a yard and stat way, but also just from a way to be able to control the tempo of the game, uh, to create some physicality there, and to slow those guys down. That's really going to be a key, I think. Does McCown have to do anything special uh, regarding Von Miller? Because you mentioned him, you both mentioned him, and obviously that's up to John Morton, how he's going to attack him and give his tackles help and who's staying in from a tight end perspective and chipping and what running back is going going to provide that double. Uh, 
But you, from a quarterback's perspective, what do you have to know about Miller while you're looking down the field and facing two guys in the outside like Tlaib and Chris Harris? Well, what I think, uh, number one, you have to listen to your feet. What I mean by that is uh, your footwork in the pocket is really critical. Number one, you can't stay back in the pocket. You start to get to 9, 10, 11 yards in your drop, and Von Miller's going to have a field day. Uh, also, you can't get into three and four hitches in the pocket. Once you get to that third hitch and you went through one, number one and number two, number three's not there, you're moving. You've got to move up in the pocket and get get out and either use your feet to get some yards um, because he will completely ruin your day if you do not. So if that means that you can't extend a play and make a big play and you wish that you could, you're going to play to the other side of uh, the risk of trying to extend a play and make a big play is much greater than the, that reward because you know that Von Miller's on the other side. Chad, I'm really excited for this game. Are you because uh, something throughout the year that you've talked about here on the Jets official podcast is that you like watching the Jets. They play hard. They play good football. Um, they've been in every ball game, five and seven. They easily could be seven and five or eight and four. But when you look at this one and four road record and you look at uh, the Broncos as a wounded animal, a team was lost eight in a row. Are you excited to see what happens on Sunday as far as a test concern for the Jets? Is this the next step in their maturation? This is a building block game, Eric. This is a game that uh, this team can use as a building block for its foundation, being able to take that next step and the type of culture and attitude you want for your team, uh, for your young players to learn from. This is a difficult game for a young player. You've come off of a big emotional win at home, and now you're going uh, on the road and playing a team that's um, down and out. They're three and nine. You know, this is a game in college that normally you go to and you take care of just because you're better than. In the NFL, it doesn't work that way. If you want this to be a building block through a win, not through a loss. Well, my final question for you today, Chad Pennington, on the official Jets podcast game preview, Jets. Broncos Sunday at Sports Authority Field at Mile High is, speaking of the altitude, how does it impact uh, players? I know I was talking to Bart Scott about it the other night on Inside the Jets. He says for each guy it's different. It might have a little bit more of an impact for the bigger guys, the offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Uh, there's certainly an impact. Uh, it wasn't an impact for a quarterback per se, <laughs> but I think for the it, it really depends on uh, each series, you know, how much energy is exerted, whether it be a skill guy that, you know, had to run uh, three 18-yard comebacks in a row or, you know, a lineman that, you know, had to pull and get out in space and run around. You know, there can be an impact series to series based upon how much energy you're exerted and, and uh, what your running levels were on that series. So it can certainly be something. But John Melody and his staff have done an excellent job. You talk to anybody – uh, that's a Jet player right now that came from another team, and they will just tell you hands down this is one of the best training staff in the league, and they'll certainly have their players ready. A little love for Jay Mal. I love it. All right, Chad, great catching up with you. Enjoy the rest of the week in Kentucky, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. All right, Greens, great point from CP there. Uh, I think 
this is a building block game for the New York Jets. A lot of people will look at the Jets and say, this is a gimme game because this is a Denver team that is in a bad way right now. But this is no gimme game. And it's going to be interesting if the Jets can get another one here, go to 6-7, and seven, and then you have a chance to go to New Orleans, maybe reach 500. But first things first, you got to beat the Broncos. For me, what Chad said that really stood out was you can't give a home team like the Denver Broncos who are underwhelming from an expectation standpoint. You can't give the, the home fans something to be excited about. And in Week 10, that's what happened in Tampa Bay. The Jets didn't come out to a fast start, couldn't convert on third down, didn't move the chains, and then eventually lost that game. For this, this Jets offense is really starting to get in a groove. And Josh McCown, following Sunday's game, said, For us, this, is, uh, this was the expectation. This is how we expected to play. Uh, early in the year, I talked about it. You know, we're going to come together and hit our stride. It's going to take a while because we're different and a new group. But I think this is what we, what we expect to be. And, uh, and so, like I said, we're scratching the surface. We, we can take it further, though. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how to take this show on the road. How do the Jets continue to ride this hot hand on offense, convert on third downs, curse Robbie Anderson, and hopefully Austin Safarian Jenkins can get back in the mix this Sunday as well. Jets were 13 of 20 on third down against Kansas City. That is a 65% clip. McCown was really comfortable in that pocket. This is a different animal defensively. This is a better outfit than the Chiefs. The Chiefs do have some good players on the defensive side of the ball, but when you're facing Von Miller and these two corners, it's a different deal altogether. Um, against Denver, you have to play clean because that's a way they can get the crowd into the game. You turn the football over, and sometimes you're going to want to punt Sunday. Bottom line, if it's not there, don't try to force a play. When you force an action, especially on the road, bad things can happen. Um, conversely, defensively, this is a bounce-back game for the Jets because, frankly, they didn't play up to the standards. Jamal Adams said after the game, we didn't do our jobs. Hats off to the offense. We have to play better. Gave up a lot of big plays against Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Alex Smith and company, but this Denver offense struggling to find itself. Trevor Simeon, he's got some weapons. Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Anderson in the backfield, but it's just not clicking right now. This Broncos defense you talked about, a pair of corners just for reference, talking about Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris, a pair of Kansas Jayhawks. They're one of the top duos, if not the best duo in the league. Tlaib missed last game due to a suspension after an altercation with Raiders receiver Michael Crabtree. It wasn't Crabtree. just an altercation, dude. It was, it was a... Dude literally ripped the chain off of Michael Crabtree. That was... I don't know if you heard this, but Michael Crabtree said he he taped the chain to his chest and Tlaib still ripped it off, found a way to get in there. Yeah, that was a old-fashioned fight on the field. AFC West rivals the Silver and Black and All the right, Broncos. I sugarcoated it a little bit. I uh, said altercation. It was a fight. Well, Tlaib is a guy who get up in your face, so, you know, the Jets receivers will be prepared for that. I'm really interested to see how Robbie Anderson plays this Sunday. Obviously, the rest of the team, too, but this is his... This is a great test for Robbie Anderson. Jermaine Curse has played this team before. He's played Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib in the Super Bowl. 
maybe he's someone that Anderson will rely on. But in his two years in the NFL, I would say this is Anderson's best matchup from a talent perspective. And not to mention, it's in Denver where the altitude is thin and the air is thin. And I'm very curious to see how he can Neat balance. You're not going to have 49 carries every week. And we know that, 49 rush attempts. But you need balance. You can't just um, depend on McCown. And the, and the balance last week was very good. But uh, the Jets will have to come up with a game plan for a game record in Von Miller. Calvin Beecham was, as you wrote this week, Greens, very complimentary about Brandon Shell and the job he did against Justin Houston. Justin Houston has been a prolific pass rusher, but at this point in time, Bob Miller's on another level. Time to hit the phones. All righty, let's go out to Denver, Colorado to bring in Eric Delala, the associate editor of DenverBroncos.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric Delala, but that's Eric with an A, not Eric with an E, so make sure to give him a follow. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Jets Broncos this Sunday. When you look at the Broncos, very competitive the last couple seasons, but lost their last eight games. From where you stand, what's been the theme this year? Yeah, I think uh, head coach Vance Joseph has said it best when he's just looking for a fair game. Because if you look at this eight-game losing streak, there's been so many times when the Broncos have turned it over in the first quarter or they've had it at the goal line and throw a pick that gets returned all the way to the uh, to our one-yard line as that happened against the Bengals um, a few weeks ago. And what ends up happening is they get behind a couple scores. And one, they're not built on offense to come back from that. And two, this defense, which has been so good the last few seasons, hasn't been able to kind of hold teams when necessary. I think if you see the Broncos get into a fair game, as Joseph has been saying, where they don't turn the ball over early, they're able to get a couple scores on the board and kind of keep things close going into halftime, then they might be able to turn this around. But right now, they just haven't been able to do that recently. What do you point to most for Trevor Simeon's struggles here in his third season out of Northwestern? Yeah, I think he would be the first to tell you that he made some uncharacteristic throws uh, this past week in Miami. He wasn't uh, very good by any measure. It was 19 of 41, no touchdowns, three picks. He was sacked three times. I think part of that, he hasn't had a ton of time to throw, um, but the offensive line has, in my opinion, at least been an improvement from last season. Um, the receivers, Vance Joseph said this week, they had some trouble creating separation. Um, and then he, he just missed some out routes that he normally throws. He was late on a couple things. Um, it's definitely not a mental issue. He knows knows the plays. I think he's good at making those adjustments at the line, but he's just had some some errors in his mechanics or the physical part of throwing the football. And the last few weeks, it's just kind of slipped away from him because if you look back to early in the season when they, when they beat the Chargers at home to open the year, when they crushed the Cowboys at home, he played really well, and he was kind of looking like a guy where he wasn't going to be a Tom Brady or a Matt Ryan or somebody that's going to win the MVP award, but he was certainly good enough to get this team to a 3-1 and one start into the playoffs. And I think Joseph said that yesterday. He said, listen, the talent's obviously there to some extent because we started 3-1, and one, um, but he's just looked a little shaky, especially since that Kansas City game in Week 8. Has there been a difference between McCoy's offense and Musgrave's offense since McCoy left? I think to some extent 
Um, things have been simplified a little bit. They've talked about that when uh, McCoy left, that at times they were finding too many answers, and that, that doesn't necessarily sound like a problem where you've got too many answers to things that other teams are doing, but I think what was happening is they were getting bogged down. There were a couple reports that there were things being called in games that weren't necessarily being called uh, during practice that week, and I think what Joseph wanted to get back to was, hey, let's be really good at this set of things, and let's see where that gets us. And at times it's worked. There's been drives. There's one against Miami where they move the ball down the field with ease. Um, the issue is just that they can't seem to get out of their own way, and there are too many instances in which those drives are going well and then a tipped pass gets intercepted or there's a snap over Simeon's head for a safety or a punt return gets dropped. And I think that's where the issue is in that they've struggled to not make those killer mistakes. But I think from an offensive standpoint, it has changed a little bit in terms of getting back to the strength of the offense, which is running the football, which is making these easier throws. They don't need to go out there and have a a huge playbook and have a hugely complicated scheme. They just need to do, right now, I would say, two or three things really well, and that should be enough to to get them back to at least being competitive. A lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Starts with Von Miller, NFL's top pass rusher. You look at those cornerbacks. I don't know if you're going to find a finer duo in the National Football League than Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris. Uh, Wade Phillips, though, is in L.A. with the Rams coordinating that defense. Has anything changed schematically with the Broncos this season? You know, I would say if you look early in games, the Broncos are actually better than they were a year ago. Um, Some of the defensive players talked about how at times the script was so set at the beginning of a game and it was so routine that opposing teams essentially knew exactly what the Broncos were going to do week in and week out, and that put them in a lot of early holes. Um, I think last year there was something like only one of the last ten games or something like that a team didn't go down the field and score on their first possession. That's changed this year. Uh, Defensive coordinator Joe Woods has, has tweaked some things, especially on that first drive, and they've played well enough um, at times to win football games. Like you said, Von Miller, he's one of the best pass rushers in the game, um, only has eight sacks, this, excuse me, nine sacks this year. Um, and I think part of that is teams are just so focused on chipping him, making somebody else beat them, and that hasn't always happened. Um, Shane Ray is playing with a cast on his left hand uh, after a training camp injury. Shaquille Barrett is playing well um, and has made some plays the last couple weeks. But really they need to find a way to get Vaughn more involved. And then like you talked about in the back end, uh, Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib are two of the best in the league. And this past week when Aqib Tlaib missed a game because of his suspension, we saw Bradley Roby out there for a week. He had five PBUs, had a really, really solid game, forced a fumble, recovered that fumble, um, and looked good in that number two corner spot. So I think they feel good about where they are with individual players. But the issue is is that the last few weeks the offense has put together a scoring drive, and then you expect, okay, the defense is going to come on here and get a stop, and you're going to be right back in it, and then the team has gone on a, the opposing team has gone on a long drive to score a touchdown. And what Joseph said this week about that is, hey, listen, I don't really care if we lose by four or we lose by 24, and there are times during games when I'm going to take some chances to make sure we have that opportunity to win. And I think that's led to some busted coverages, some big plays, and the defense not being able to get off the field and the offense can get back. Eric DeLala from DenverBroncos.com. He's associate editor joining us on 
the official Jets podcast, game preview, Jets, Broncos. How is that locker room? Starting 3-1, and one, Denver did. And then after that, eight-game losing streak. For some teams, it's going to take a big-time turn for the worst. Uh, do you anticipate the Broncos coming out with a spirited effort Sunday? Yeah, you know, I'll be really interested to see how they play. The feeling of the locker room previous to this game against the Dolphins was that everybody was still upbeat. They were losing these close games, they were, or they were losing the teams that they thought were better than them. And then this week happened when it seemed like everything went wrong. They had two safeties. They threw three picks. Uh, the Dolphins had a bunch of long drives. And it was just kind of a microcosm of the season. And Chris Harris, I think, said it best after the game when he said, we shouldn't be losing like this to this type of team. And I think that's where maybe the frustration sets in, that like this team that's only 18 months removed from a Super Bowl title right. is now getting blown out in Miami. And so that's it going to be interesting to see whether they keep that up, whether the leadership on the team, captains like Von Miller and Demarius Thomas and Aqib Tlaib can keep the team dialed in. But I do think it'll be interesting to see what the intensity is like because it is more difficult when you're 3-9 and nine to get up for a game than when you're 3-1. and one. How have teams the past couple of weeks gone about attacking the Broncos unit and how do you expect the Jets to use their talent to try to move the ball against a very talented unit? I think the thing that opposing teams have done well when they've had success against the Broncos is, one, they target the tight end. The Broncos have had a lot of trouble stopping the tight end position, whether that was against the New York Giants when this whole skid kind of started, um, and Evan Ingram was the only healthy option the Giants had, and he just kind of torched the Broncos in that game, whether it's Hunter Henry against the Chargers, whether it was Travis Kelsey against the Chiefs, that's just kind of gone on and on. Um, and they've allowed a lot of touchdowns to tight ends. Um, I think the other thing is simple crossing routes. A lot of teams aren't, they're still not going after a keep to leave. They're still not going after Chris Harris. It's not like those guys are getting burned. But when you're up 10 nothing, like most of the Broncos opponents have been early, you don't have to take chances against those guys. You can take the easy throw. You can take the dump-off pass. You can even just run the ball on third and four and see what happens and then punt the ball if you need to and just stay in the game because it, recently the Broncos have hurt themselves enough where teams haven't had to score a ton of points or put together a ton of long drives. Um, so for the Jets, I think if they're able to get the run game going just a little bit, which will be tough because the Broncos um, are second best in the league against the rush. That's one thing they've been really good at. Um, but if they're able to do that, get the tight end involved a little bit, and then if they're able to get ahead early, just take advantage of some of these dump-off routes, some of these crossing routes that aren't these super convoluted or complicated patterns, um, but get guys in some space. That's where they're going to find success, I think. Well, Greens, it sounds like Austin Safarian Jenkins, the Jets' big tight end, could have a busy day. And also uh, Jermaine Curse is been very successful work in the middle on those crossing patterns as well. And the Jets are getting Robbie Anderson moving all over the place. And, Eric, that's one thing that we're really looking forward to on Sunday in Denver is Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse being tested by these premier corners. You mentioned punt in your previous answer. And what lit up in my head is what's going on with the Broncos special teams in 2017? Yeah, it kind of all came to a head a few weeks ago against the Patriots. Um, they gave up a big return. They dropped a punt return. Um, they almost had a safety on a kickoff return. 
Um, things have gotten a little bit better, but I think Brock Olivo, who's the new special teams coordinator here, he came over from Kansas City where he learned under Dave Tobe, who's been there for a long time, was that he needs to instill this attitude in the guys here. And he said it's been his fault that he hasn't done that yet, and he hasn't taught them what it means to be a special teams player, to be a good special teams player. I think in particular where you've seen problems is the punt return unit. Um, last year the Broncos really struggled with that. They went out and drafted Isaiah McKenzie out of Georgia and thought he was going to be the answer. In the preseason he really flashed and he looked like he was going to be that guy. He had some big returns, but he's really had issues catching the ball. I think at this point it's probably a mental thing. They sat him down after that New England game for a few weeks and he got his first chance back against the Dolphins and he fumbled again and there was a safety um, and Joseph said yesterday that he's done for the season. And so Jordan Taylor, who's a reserve wide receiver, will take that over. Um, he's sure-handed. He hasn't fumbled. He's also not a dynamic return threat where he's going to break one for 60 yards. So I think, again, that takes away from some of the big playability that the Broncos have, but it makes sure that they don't turn the ball over. And so that's, that's kind of where the Broncos are. They're sacrificing that big play potential just so they don't put themselves behind. Kick-wise, Brandon McManus has been solid. Uh, Riley Dixon, the second-year punter, has had his issues at times, but he's also been pretty decent. It's really been the coverage units. It's been uh, the punt return unit, and they haven't really had a spark at the kick return unit. And so I think they need to evaluate that in the offseason, but for now it seems like they're just trying to survive. Make sure to please follow Eric Delala on Twitter. Again, working with DenverBroncos.com. Eric, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Kareems. As Eric Delala was mentioning, the Broncos are not in quote-unquote survival mode, and they're not looking ahead to next year by saying, okay, we're just going to look and evaluate players for 2018. He sounds like a coach who wants to get that win and feeling back inside the locker room. There's no doubt about it, and what I took away from Talking to Eric was, this is a great opportunity for Austin Safarian Jenkins. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's utilized this Sunday. And furthermore is, is there a development with Chad Hansen? We saw him pick up a pair of third down yeah. catches this week. And again, Delala, just using what he said, is the crossing routes, the slot position has been a weakness when you look at the Broncos secondary because Harris and Tlaib have been doing a great job, so maybe this will open up the door for someone like Chad Hansen, maybe our Darius Stewart as well. But I just want to give a quick shout-out to Riley Dixon, the punter of the Broncos, because he and I were alumnus, were alumni of Syracuse University. And oh, that's he's in great. The league. So every week he's I got to, the... hold on, every week I had to go look up and down a roster to see you went to Florida or Maryland or Canisius for that matter or no. Hamburg High School? No, but it is more <laughs> rare. It is more school. rare. It's more of a rarity that there is an orange man in the NFL than there is a game. Yeah, and of course it's a kicker, too. Of course. A punter. A uh, punter. Uh, yeah, they're in the same category. Punters are people, too. Can, and you are a person as well. But it's interesting that your fun fact today is, of oh, course. Oh, I didn't say a, a fun fact. A, 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 I didn't Syrac say a fun Syracuse fact. alum connection with the punter. And, oh, by the way, the Broncos have struggled mightily on special teams this year. I know a lot of folks at home who don't often get a chance to watch the Broncos saw them Sunday night fo uh, football a few weeks ago against New England. And last week uh, against Miami, they gave up 
a big punt return. They fumbled a, away a kick. They gave up an onside kick. So, hey, maybe the guy to watch this week is JoJo Natson, the 5'7", 153 to 160-pounder who can fly. Maybe this is the week that he gets going. And you mentioned special teams. I'll tell you two guys who don't mind going to Denver. That's Chandler Canton Zero and Lachlan Edwards uh, because the ball travels in that thin air. All right, there you have it. The official Jets podcast game preview, Jets-Broncos. Again, the Jets going out to Denver. Sports Authority Field at Mile High. Again, make sure to follow Eric Delala on Twitter at Eric Delala. That's with an A. Chad Pennington on Twitter. Ch- and, oh, I didn't. I, I he doesn't know. post much. Okay, well, make sure on, to follow Chad. Make it, sure to follow Chad. And What's also, and also follow the Syracuse kickers and punters out there. In Riley, the National Football Riley, League. message to Riley. You are still a legend to me. Thank you for the fake punt. It was fantastic. That's all I got. We'll see you next week.